The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and postpartisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. Whether it was making America great again, again, or build back better, over the last two weeks, we've heard a lot about promises from both Republicans and Democrats about manufacturing in America. What neither of these slogans or the Democrats supporting white paper really does is build for the future or beyond the platitudes explain how indeed they intend to create 5 million jobs magically pulled out of a hat. Have they made the connection between national security and made in America? Have they made the connection between, as we routinely do here at Reimagine America Radio, the connection between your consumer behavior and the jobs created by buying Made in America that may contribute to your neighbor's job or your own? Nope. They've left the hard work of developing a blueprint for the future, a way to take their platitudes and make them work. They've left that hard work to us, to the private sector. You're listening to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems. I don't make them. So I jumped at the opportunity to participate in the development of a manufacturing blueprint, a document that begins to move beyond the political pandering toward purpose and planning. So joining us today to discuss the C-Suite Network's Manufacturing Console's Blueprint for the Future of the U.S. Manufacturing Supply Chain is Alan Davis, the chair of that console. Alan is the founding member and the CEO of I-5 Services. For the last 25 years, he's been assisting companies like Borrow, Walmart, British Airways, Rite Aid, and Hertz to improve their bottom line results. The largest project added $40 million per year directly to the bottom line and deferred $120 million of annual loss. His background in technology and the years of experience in leadership, transformation, process improvement, and business-slash-IT alignment, the alignment of business and the underlying enabling technology, have helped him excel in implementing solutions that bring about disruptive improvement, the best kind. For the last several years, he's been working to implement the first U.S. supply chain connection solution, a solution called Connects. And what Connects would do, I've, I've seen it in action, would help us to actually be able to see the entire U.S. domestic supply chain and in and of itself would revolutionize how that supply chain works toward Made in America. So before we begin with Alan, there are a couple of facts that you need to know as a listener that are 
politicians either try to gloss over while selling Nirvana or simply don't know. It's possible, you know. They are a bit programmed. And the first one is that the United States today, after all that you've heard about the Rust Belt, the United States today employs roughly 10 million people in its manufacturing sector. And those 10 million workers produce roughly 18% of the total manufacturing output of the entire world. Now, China, our biggest rival, employs roughly 200 million workers, and you would think they would produce 20 times more than American workers, right? If you listen to all the newscasts, actually, that's not true. Those 200 million workers produce roughly 20% or only 2% more of the world's global output. So here's the bottom line. Given the opportunity, something each and every one of us can, can, can participate in, given that opportunity, the American worker can outcompete anybody. Don't let, you, let anybody tell you that the Chinese can outcompete us. Well, they can out overwhelm us <clears throat> on the assembly line, but we don't need that. And last but not least, Jonathan Ward in his book, China's Vision of Victory, points out that the US has one competitive advantage China will never be able to match. The United States of America can feed all of our own people now and into the future without importing any food. The Chinese can't do that. Second, the blueprint and none of the participants in its creation, nobody who's worked on this document or supports this plan, none of us are opposed to trade. None of us are anti-trade, um, tariff-loving people. The United States has been a trading nation, a nation that espouses free trade since before the Revolutionary War. And Alan, with that long introduction, how did this blueprint get started? What was the catalyst? Yeah, thanks, Joyce, and thanks for having me on today. We started the C-Suite Manufacturing Council about a year and a half ago. Well, I guess it's been almost two years ago now um, with the intent of kind of analyzing and looking at some of the problems facing manufacturing today and not just looking at the problems, but identifying what best practice solutions would be to those problems and then finding ways to actually implement solutions that would help solve them. And uh, little did we know when we started the council that, you know, we would have a global pandemic in the middle of it and uh, we would face some of the trials we've been facing. But uh, it has really proven to be very timely in its formation and certainly uh, informative in its uh, production of information. So the blueprint came about as we were talking through what some best practices should be and how we could put those together and how much our country needed um, a certain level of change in manufacturing and manufacturing supply chain. And so the council members came together and we began drafting 
um, looking specifically at how or what the challenges are that we are facing in manufacturing supply chain in the U.S. today, looking at our competitors, looking at our capabilities, and uh, the capabilities we have here in the U.S. that many are very much unaware of, and I appreciated your introduction as it highlighted a lot of that capability. Um, and really, we, we started to put together um, this document that started to outline uh, some of these challenges and issues, as well as the, uh, the solutions and ideal state um, for future that would bring us past many of these challenges and into a, a much better position um, as we move forward. So what are some of those challenges? If we look at it, we have an overdependence on foreign supply. Uh, particularly in what we call key supply areas. We really don't have a national strategy or plan for addressing supply chain deficiencies. Um, our lack of plan, whereas some of our competitors, particularly China, has been very forthright about their plans, um, what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And as a country, we've not really um, had an answer to that. And that lack of strategy and plan in the, in the U.S. is certainly one of our uh, challenges. And then the, a lack of collaboration to address any key, con key concerns or, or areas or issues that we face. When we've had the greatest amount of growth in U.S. manufacturing and uh, particularly U.S. manufacturing innovation, it's been at times when we've come together as a country where government, academia, and industry have come together and worked well together to um, innovate and to solve for the challenges that we face. And uh, in fact, the, the pandemic has been helpful in that regard, that it has helped to bring and help some people collaborate a little better. Unfortunately, we seem to still be far apart on many issues. Uh, yes, indeed, um, and and that and, and how we approach some of these things. So, what do you think are the future state objectives of this document and and the journey that it will begin? We hope that this document becomes um, a, really a, a source document for and a reference document for everyone from individual consumers to politicians and leaders to manufacturers and everyone else in between. Um, as we look to a different, better and brighter future, that we have uh, something to give us some guidance. And so we hope that this becomes a piece of guidance, a piece of direction and help. And we, we hope that it will help us as we start looking at those three areas and we start looking particularly, particularly at ways in which um, we can help everyone begin to solve for the problem. You know, and, and I do say everyone because um, this includes, uh, you know, the average consumer in America who makes day-to-day -day decisions about um, the, per the products that they purchase and where those products come from to, uh, you know, the, the politicians who um, are formulating U.S. policy and law um, and the decisions that they make that have such a huge impact on uh, the way that our manufacturing economy grows and expands, and uh, as well as the manufacturers themselves who are looking for 
guidance and obviously uh, ways in which they can uh, innovate and collaborate to uh, have a, a better and more robust outcome. It may be a subject for a different day, but I, I think an important part of what is addressed in, in this document is the need for that uh, government, private sector, ac academia collaboration and, and how that is formulated um, so that it doesn't become uh, a top-down government-driven um, system because you and I both know that when that happens, innovation stops. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a challenge, at least in, in my view, in terms of how you get where we need to go. Yeah, clear, and you're absolutely right, Joyce. And, you know, one of the things that I think everyone should definitely recognize, and, and that is that uh, we have to, number one, we have to collaborate. We, we have to be able to work together. But number two, the solutions need to be industry-driven. Um, and I'll just share a, a quick um, side note um, about that. You know, we've been working directly with manufacturers for the last eight years um, in our company to build a U.S. supply chain connection solution that would connect our U.S. supply chain together. And as in our very first meetings, as we first started to meet with manufacturers, one of the first things they told us is, look, the solution cannot be a government solution. We will not support it. Um, it can't be an academic solution because they never get it right. Um, it must be an industry-driven solution. Um, and uh, that is the only way that we're actually going to solve. And I thought that was really just spot on and something we should all learn from is that our best solutions and our best foot forward, it always comes um, as it's driven from industry. Yeah, well, we've always been a trading nation and we have always been an entrepreneurial nation and, and that has to be foundational. But I think one of the things that I tried to address up front in our intro and also which we've talked a lot about within the blueprint is the snapback you know, history of the U.S. economy, and that's when we, you know, in a moment of crisis, we go, okay, we want to have this sustainable supply chain, and the minute the crisis is over, we go back to, where can we get it for 50 cents less? And, yeah. and, and, and how are we going to, this time, make that different? Because right now, the American consumer, 69% of American consumers responding to a YouGov sur uh, survey last week said, we pay more money for us made in, in USA. Now, you and I are not children, neither of us. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and, um, and so we remember those previous statements of that of that sort and how right. long they last yeah. after the crisis. So in the blueprint, what are we going to do that makes the future state sustainable? So as soon as things go back to being good or better, um, we tend to forget um, the challenge that we were facing and we go right back to old habits. And it, it is human nature, right, that we return to old habits unless we have something driving us to change. And so that really is kind of almost the answer. We, we have to have something that's continuing um, or sustaining this change, right? If we simply 
say, hey, you know, this is a, a rough time and we need to try to quickly uh, address the current problems and issues. And then we go right back to doing what we were doing before. And we forget the things which have gotten us into this position, then uh, we really will not have achieved or accomplished anything. So um, your question is a great one. I don't know that we have it fully solved, in fact, um, even in the blueprint. And that brings up a really good point. You know, we, we haven't drafted this with, an in, with the intent that it is entirely complete or that it is a be-all, end-all document. It is a working document, one we intend um, we evolve and improve over time as we come up with uh, yet even better and uh, more evolved solutions and innovations. Um, the, the document will continue to evolve and to grow and to expand. And by no stretch of our imaginations do we think that we have all the best minds um, collaborating on this. There are still many more thoughts that will be brought forward and shared that will enhance and enrich um, the document and the solutions that are being proposed. But to uh, attempt to answer your question in, uh, in some regard, um, we do have entire sections um, of the document that are dedicated to sustainability. And, um, and that word sustainability it tends to have a couple of different meanings um, today. One of them, which is more um, around uh, having some sort of a uh, eco-friendly type of uh, sustainability and others around, you know, how do we actually sustain uh, business or how do we sustain supply chain or how do we sustain um, change, right? And mm -hmm. so as we talk about sustainability, um, in this case, sustaining the changes and sustaining um, the drive to make things better. Um, we have kind of taken on um, the mantle, if you will, of ensuring that we have through the Manufacturing Council um, this sustainable change uh, our uh, kind of driving goal and driving vision that we continue to contribute to that and continue to push for and drive for change. And it's interesting, you know, um, as we have the opportunity to interact with many people in the industry, um, this goes from all types of associations, as an example, you know, the National Association of Manufacturers and um, the National Institute of Standards and Technology Manufacturing Extension Partnership, which are two uh, very large organizations in our country that, uh, support manufacturing and at the state level many of the state manufacturing associations and manufacturing extension partnerships at the state level and many other um, our, our conversations and our goal is to make sure that we are at all times um, working with them to help them see and uh, drive for the same sustainable change and uh, we know that unless everyone gets involved, um, we won't actually sustain it. Um, we'll have that amnesia. We'll go right back. If consumers decide, you know, two months from now that they're going to go back to their same habits and we don't actually um, drive demand differently, then um, we may find ourselves back in a similar situation um, and possibly even worse. Uh, so there is a lot left to do. There's a lot to do to make sure that everyone is aware. So we need help ensuring that people know about um, the document, know about the blueprint, know about 
um, how important their role is in a new future. And do we think that everyone will actually get on board? No. <laughs> we just don't live in that kind <laughs> of country. I don't think so. <laughs> I was just going to ask so. you, you know, the government and manufacturing, you know, one of the things in the Biden <laughs> blueprint that makes me a little nervous while, while I think, you know, it, it's, um, uh, it's a lot of apple pie and motherhood. Uh, one of the mm. things that does concern me in it is the, the concept of setting up a console to determine which uh, types of, of supply chain entities need to be designated as, you know, strategic to the nation. Um, and that yeah. to me smacks a little bit too much of, um, you know, top-down driven, government driven um, yeah. uh, interference in the natural flow of entrepreneurship and innovation. You know, I wondered what you thought about that. Yeah, no, you're you're right, and you know, in, in this document, right? As we we battled with that, and we've deliberated about it because any time that you kind of cross over to the point where things are being mandated, you start to get to the point where there will be absolute pushback and fight against that because as a country, that's not the type of country that we are. Uh, sometimes we forget and certain uh, areas of our country might kind of fall into that category sometimes where they feel like everything should be mandated by government. But in reality, it's not the best way um, for our country to run. And, uh, you know, we all of our years of history have, uh, have proven that, that top-down government-driven uh, programs are not the ones that are most successful in our country. So um, in any plan, whether it's uh, Biden's or anyone else's, um, we have to be very careful not to cross over that line and have it be a government-driven uh, change. Yeah, well, see, the thing I think that, that, mit that mitigates against that ever becoming a reality is that, um, you know, government will be trying to set up the console, you know, the way to produce uh, a document that says this is strategic and industry will be three light years ahead of them by right. the time they get it set up. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in favor of that, although, you know, I, I do believe there is a need for a rational, as you say, a collaboration yeah. that brings me to ask you yet another question as we talk about manufacturers and government and the need to be competitive in a global work in a global marketplace for those things which right now we decided were mission critical there is a vehicle it's called the defense production act which could have been used to expand our ability to develop ppe and and those sorts of things on shore so you know Based on the research that went into this document, would that would a broader use of the Defense Production Act to help with some of the cost of expanding the capacity of existing manufacturing facilities, would that have helped small and medium business in a way that, let's say, General Motors did not need it in order to get into the uh, respirator business in 17 days? Yeah, you know, and, and that is a really good point, Joyce, because um, the correct use of that act um, can bring about some really great solutions, right? And our, our, I guess our 
flailing at the use of that act um, is never really going to bring about uh, much positive impact for small or medium-sized businesses or our country as a whole. Um, we have to have some better direction as to how that act will be carried out, um, who will involved in the use of those funds, how it will be used. Um, and, and this should prove as a perfect testing for that. We, we now have knowledge behind us, right? So our, our vision should be 2020 at this point. And we can absolutely come up with a better plan for how those funds should be used to ensure that we have covered our basic needs in those four areas. And um, you know, to your to your initial point, um, how we become more competitive in the global marketplace in those areas in particular. Um, and, and here's a, a reason why that is so very vital and critical. So if you think about China's production, right, and the world's dependence upon China's production, um, let's say, and, and I'll use pharmaceuticals as the example, um, in fact, use antibiotics because I believe it's somewhere between 95 to 97% of all, our, all of our antibiotics are produced in China. And you think about the world's dependence. Um, if that level of dependence is maintained with China, um, the control that China then has over the rest of the world. And if there's no other player who stands up to challenge that production, and to produce that production, then China controls um, the world's production of um, antibiotics. And just think about um, what type of control can be exacted from that um, if they have that level of control over the entire world. They've so articulated. It, they've articulated that. They've actually they have said. Actually, yeah, they yeah. actually <laughs> have said that they could. You know really bring the U.S. to its knees by just denying yep. us the active ingredients for pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and, and think about, you know, smaller nations, um, where else can they turn? If no one else is stepping up to compete at that level, then they also have nowhere else to turn. And so everyone's dependence then is upon a single source. And in our current world environment, um, that's unhealthy no matter how you look at it. Unhealthy, I'm, I'm using in as the kindest term I can think of. <laughs> um, it, it's downright dangerous. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to <And> say. <laughs> I have a better word. Dangerous. I have another word. Ludicrous. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we, we should be very cognizant of that at this point. And it should drive us um, and keep us from having amnesia and keep us from, um, you know, uh, softening our pace, if you will, um, even after the pandemic is not as urgent as it currently is. I think you're absolutely right. So I think there is tons more that we could spend the rest of the evening talking about, but we'd probably wear out the listeners. So let's make them <laughs> two, two promises. A second, what, the first promise is we're going to continue this conversation on another podcast and talk about, you know, the 
the future, the um, yeah. what we what we would the, the future we'd like to build, and how each and okay. every one of us has to participate in that future or has the opportunity to participate in that future. We'll, we'll talk about getting that together and um, and having a, a another conversation because I you know it's been a really uh, enjoyable half hour here, but the other thing that we want to do, Alan, is we want to f- make it possible for listeners um, to actually learn, get their hands on a copy of the blueprint, and learn more about it, or learn more about the C-suite networks manufacturing console. And where should they go to get that information? To get directly to the council, the easiest way is to go to c-suite-mfg-council.com. So C-suite is all together. It's just C and the word suite, c-suite-mfg-council.com. Um, or they can just look up the C-suite network, um, C-suite network, and um, there are links there to the different councils. They actually sponsor a number of councils within the C-suite network. And um, as you go to the council page, you'll find the manufacturing council um, easily there. And then when you get to the C-suite manufacturing council page, you'll find a place where you can download the blueprint and uh, feel free to download that, to share it um, and come and join us in the conversation, particularly if you feel that you have something to contribute, uh, something that can help make us better. Um, we're all about ensuring that we're gathering the best thinking together and those who care about and are interested in the future of manufacturing in the United States, we certainly hope will come and join us and help us as we uh, work on this going forward. September 10th is our next event, and it's at noon Eastern time. Again, if you go to the website, you'll find the details for it there, and you can register for it. Um, but come and join us at, at the event. Um, so, uh, Joyce, I believe you're going to join us and, uh, and be a part of one of our panel discussions on that day as well. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you corrected me on the date. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you show up on the 10th, even if you show yeah. up on the 8th. <laughs> <laughs> on the 8th, it could be kind of lovely. <laughs> but yeah, we're going we're, we're gonna to have a conversation on the 10th about um, the particular breakout I'll lead is on the uh, policy and regulatory frame. Uh, uh, framework, Perfect. but Alan will be. Uh, it will have. You'll have the National Association of Manufacturers present, as well as some industry executives. I think mm-hmm. on that day. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. We we have. Uh, we always try to invite um, leaders from ac- uh, across the industry. So um, that'll be some manufacturing leaders. It'll be typically we'll have uh, a representative or two from the National Association of Manufacturers, from NIST MEP, from state manufacturing associations and MEPs around the country, and others um, to make sure that we have a good, robust discussion and uh, a lot of really great information exchanged. And there's a great networking opportunity too for people who are not yet engaged, but certainly you know have ideas. Um, to contribute. And you know, you don't have to be a manufacturer in order to have ideas to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you'll find a a good cross-section of people there. So uh, come and take advantage of networking opportunities. And for that matter, um, C-Suite Network has 
I think, some of the very best networking opportunities um, that you'll find. So if you haven't yet learned about the C-Suite Network, take some time and, and read their pages and uh, go take a look at their site. Um, and, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about the uh, supply chain connection solution in for manufacturers, if you're not yet in the manufacturer's marketplace, um, you should really go to manufacturersmarketplace.us and uh, learn a little bit more about the marketplace and what we're doing to, to connect um, all the manufacturers in the U.S. together um, so that we are able to better respond um, to some of these challenges that we have. I think that that may be the most important um, near-term effort uh, that we can undertake so that both um, uh, the upstream manufacturers and FEMA have mm -hmm. a way to um, rapidly engage with more um, of the U.S. manufacturing sector. That would have been a huge benefit um, in the early in the, the the early quest for PPE. Yeah, so, we, we Alan, wish we I, would have been involved with them a little sooner in the process because we could have provided them a little more help. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that help would have gone a long way toward helping the yeah. American people. Yeah, because I, I know personally manufacturers who tried to get in touch, who had the capability and the capacity to make PPE um, domestically, and, and they couldn't find their way through the FEMA bureaucracy. So, you know, I think yep. that's um, an important part of where this blueprint can really provide and the marketplace can provide real value uh, to both the manufacturer and the, con and the consumer. So, Alan, yeah. I appreciate your time. Um, again, if you go to C-Suite Network Dot com, you will find the manufacturing console. You can go to the uh, uh, manufacturingmarketplace.us um, and you can look forward to Alan and I continuing our conversation on another episode of Reimagine America's Radio Hour. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joyce. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.